Welcome everybody into another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff here. Alex Ferrario, host of the pre and post games for Blues on the radio side at 101 ESPN. And of course, got my good buddy Mike Claiborne with us to talk a little Blues hockey. And right now, Claves, I think we need to make sure that we keep people off of the uh, the Blues ledge that people are ready <laughs> to jump off of. Because apparently the Arizona Coyotes have turned into the 90s Detroit Red Wings or the 90s Colorado Avalanche. Because the Blues have no solution for these guys. Yeah, you you, you know that's a great comparison. I mean, we 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 felt like they were invincible then. <laughs> uh, I I can honestly say I'm not comfortable or confident that Arizona's going to be skating the Cup this year, unlike mm -hmm. Detroit and Colorado. So, uh, but it is it, it is befuddling. There's no doubt that this is something we've never seen before. Uh, you play a team this much, and, and I guess what surprises me, Alex, you know, familiarity breeds contempt mm -hmm. and i thought at this point we'd have some guys flat out not liking each other at this at this moment much like we do in a playoff series we've only had a couple of scraps and they really haven't amounted to much i think they were more momentum changers than anything else there's not a lot of barking between the players not a lot of chirping uh some bad penalties have been taken yep. by the blues uh, but I thought there'd be a little bit more contempt right now. And and I think that kind of says all you need to know about the Blues and their focus and, and just their energy. You know, the reason that they don't have those guys that are chirping, Claves is I don't know if they have the players that are doing that right now. Like when you lost yeah. Pat Maroon, he was the main guy. He was the guy that was chirping. And when Pat Maroon would run his mouth, the players behind him would step up. But let's also not forget Joel Edmondson. Joel Edmondson was another guy that was not afraid to chirp the other bench. So Right now, Kyle Clifford's dropped the gloves, which you brought. You expected that. That's, That's what he's Kyle, supposed to do, yeah. Yeah, you brought him in for that. We've seen Justin Falk do it. We've seen Braden Shen do it. But I don't want those guys dropping the gloves. I need somebody who can stir the pot a little bit. I need a Sammy Blay to stir the pot. I need a Zach Sanford to stir the pot. Because the one thing that I've learned about this Blues team, Claves, and correct me if, if you think I'm wrong here, the Blues respond and play a very strong game when the other team buys into their style, when the other team starts to throw the body around with St. Louis because they didn't like a hit or they didn't like a check, then the other team jumps in and that wakes the Blues up. But if the other yeah. team just plays their own game and lets the Blues do their own thing, the Blues seem to fall asleep on the ice and they don't have any effort. That's a great point you make. Um, you know, the great teams or the championship teams they used to say they'll play it any way you want to. Mm -hmm. uh, the Blues can't do that. At least they haven't shown the ability. Now, the year that they won, they could do it, and they did do it. But this is a team that has one direction, and they are not willing to venture from that. And I, I think the best example is how this power play has been miserable because nobody wants to shoot the puck. Right. You know, Nobody wants to get in the dirty areas of the ice. And try and get a deflection or get a cross check penalty or things of that nature. They want to shoot from the perimeter, and there's no middle ground. Either you shoot it a lot or you pass it a lot, but but it's not a combination of passing and shooting. And you're right, where if a team doesn't hit you, you don't hit back. They don't right. hit back. And but and the problem with the Blues, Arizona can skate a little bit. Okay, they've got mm -hmm. some guys who can skate, and the Blues can't skate with this team on a regular basis, which means they have to play a heavier game. They've got to lean on them. They've got to make them stop and start. They've got to make them uncomfortable. And the Blues aren't willing to pay that price right now. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see so much inconsistency. Yeah, well, and the, the Blues 
have been unable to get to their game. And I was reading a chat the other day about this team. Uh, Tom Timmerman had it at the Post-Dispatch, and they talked about how the five-on-five play, the blue style is dumping the puck, and when they dump the puck in the pass, 50% or more, the Blues had a better chance of getting that puck and creating consistent, sustained pressure. This season, it seems they dump the puck in at five-on-five, and then next thing you know, the other team has gotten the puck before the Blues, and they're going the opposite direction, and it's a lot of neutral zone hockey. And you know this, Claves, when the Blues team's at their best, what Craig Berube wants from them is dump the puck, get the puck, and create offense while you cycle the puck through different teammates, and they've just been unable to do that on a consistent pressure. Well, you know what, and it's very simple. They're not skating. I mean, yep. you know, there was a time, and you're right, they dump it, and that defenseman would turn and go get it, and the next thing you know, he was stapled to the glass or he made a bad clearing pass, and then it would be in the corner. they go into a cycle, and all of a sudden they find themselves with a great scoring opportunity. They're not, they're not skating. Yep. And if you look at the penalties that they're taking, the hooking, the slashing, the tripping, all penalties of lack of skating because they're out of position. So the urgency isn't where it needs to be right now with this team. And I don't know what you do to to get it going. I mean, I think Craig Berube has been really good at dealing with this. He's been very honest. Uh, he's had conversations with players. And I think he tries to trust them because a lot of these guys he knows he can win with. But there's something lacking with this team. And it's not the loss of Petrangelo. Uh, th- there's more to this mm-hmm. uh, than than the loss of one player. And I can't put my finger on it other than the fact there's not a lack of urgency. There's a lack of urgency. And um, they don't have enough guys who get mad. Yeah. They don't have enough guys. And you touched on it earlier. They don't have guys that chirp and want the other team to be pissed off at you. They, they just yeah. don't have that guy. And the guys who are here, those third and fourth line guys, they've elected not to do it, which lessens their value to this hockey team. Yeah, without question. And I mean, if you're not dragging the other team to play your style of hockey, then you're playing their style. And unfortunately, the Blues have not been able to compete with another team's style. You know, you and I were talking about this the other day, Klaibs, and I had told you that this right now looks like the bubble team of the Blues this past year, mm-hmm. as they haven't been able to they haven't been able to engage their style of play with no fans in the stands. And the Blues seem to feed off of that energy, and that's where yeah. they get to their game. And if you look at the slow starts right now, the Blues are are unable to get to their style fast enough, and it takes until the other team gets the goal lead or a bounce goes their way, and then the Blues are into their game. But the problem is they're playing catch-up hockey an awful lot, kind of like what that bubble was. The only difference is now you have very good goaltending, whereas in the bubble, your goaltending wasn't on the same level as everyone else was. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you look at that situation, uh, again, the lack of urgency and, you know, in the Mm -hmm. bubble, uh, we're we're trailing. Let's just pack it in because we'll be out of here by the end of the week. You can't do it in the regular season. And you you just put your whole team in jeopardy. And then you start to develop bad habits. And I think we're seeing some of them. Uh, The the selfish penalties have got to stop. Yeah. The, the retaliation penalty has got to stop. And, and that tells me that we have some selfish players that aren't focused. And and how you, again, how you get those guys back on track, I don't know. But going back to your original point about the lack of fans, this is the one sport where you 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 see the fan involvement uh, mm-hmm. and how they energize players. 
whether it's a fight or a big hit or a good save and goal or, you know, a picture perfect pass where players and fans appreciate it. Best example, killing a penalty. When, when you're killing a penalty in your own building and fans appreciate when you clear the puck mm. and you do the little things, I mean, those are the things, especially if it's a five on three or if it's a, a really big penalty where you've got to stop it or, or if it's a bad call and you, you're, on a, you're, on, you're killing a penalty in that situation, fans provide energy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that happens in baseball. Uh, I don't think it happens in football as often as you think. It happens in college basketball. Yeah, it happens a great deal in college basketball. The NBA, man, they don't care. I'm gonna get a paycheck <laughs> on the first to the fifteenth. That make a difference. They, they know they hockey, can do it themselves no matter what. <laughs> yeah, but in hockey, it's a different story that uh, really has come to the forefront. So, how do you motivate yourself? Well, that's the good question here because. A coach can only say so much to you, and the only way he can get your attention now is not play you. Well, you can only do that for so long before until you realize that I don't have anybody to replace this person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's up to the player to motivate themselves and, and how they do it. I think that's what the Blues are searching for. Clibs, let me ask you about the penalties because this has been so – so interesting to me because there's two sides of the Blues penalties this season. One have been the irresponsible ones of the retaliation by Zach Sanford, the high sticking by Schwartz, a lot of hooking and slashing calls. But then there have been a lot of of, of weak and soft calls from the officiating. And we talked with Kerry Frazier a couple of days ago, former NHL official, and, and he talked a little bit about how the officials right now, you have a mix of, of veteran guys, but you have a lot of younger guys that mm-hmm. are refing in, they're on minor league contracts, but they're refing in the NHL. And he talked about how, you know, maybe some of these guys can't handle the other team and the other players talking to them. So when they do, they call a whistle. And he well, said it, it takes a little bit of, of direction from these older guys to understand how this game is played rather than just blowing the whistle right away. Well, you know, the NHL doesn't have anybody to blame but themselves. When they decide to put the purge on a lot of officials when they hit the age of 50 and they moved them out and then they brought in these young guys. And I don't have a problem with the young guys, but here's where the NHL made a huge mistake. They didn't keep enough guys like Tim Peel still around. And Mm -hmm. Tim Peel, I may be the oldest referee in the league right now, but he's one of the best skaters in the league. But you you have to have – if you're going to transition these guys, you have to put them on crews with veteran officials for at least half a season Mm -hmm. where they can learn how this game works. The other thing they didn't do, and maybe they did, they should have had a sit down with every general manager and remind them that we're trying to transition some new officials. So you and your coaches need to get off their asses, Mm -hmm. you know, let them work these games. And if you have an issue or a concern, there's a way you do it and there's a way you don't do it. And I don't know if they ever informed the coaches and the general managers of that, but it would have made it a, a, a better transition. I understand these guys are going to make mistakes. I mean, this is a game where a mistake is greatly magnified, but so do players. Players make as many mistakes. That's just like when I see players argue about balls and strikes. Mm-hmm. Well, you had three other at-bats to do something, and you didn't do anything in those either. So who's to blame for tonight? Right. In this case, I think the officials – 
have made some some borderline calls because you have some guys that want to uh, officiate by the book instead of by having a feel for the game. And there's a huge difference. The the experienced referees have a feel for the game and how deep they want to read the book. The ones who have lack confidence and they feel like, well, if I just call it straight down what the book says, I'm going right. to be okay. We've all seen that moment where we say, hey, maybe put the whistle in the pocket. Or maybe that's not a penalty you call at this point, considering what's at stake. They're still feeling their way through it. And they may be good officials one day, but it's going to take some time as we deal with the growing pains. And when your team is struggling like the Blues are in this temporary stage, it's magnified even more. And, and that's where you hear all the chirping and the growl saying, hey, you know, they called a bad penalty at that. But, hey, it was a penalty. Yep. It's in the book. You you can't allow the officials to dictate how you play. Right. And that's where I think the Blues are dealing with. And I think that's why I think another thing, Alex, is why we're seeing so many teams showing that inconsistency and not winning pairs of games at one time. Especially in the penalty kill. I went back and looked at it the other day. The top 10 teams that finished with the best penalty kill in the league last season, four of those top 10 are in the bottom 10 of the penalty kill so far this season. So mm. it goes to show you how much it's flipped. Let yeah. me ask, what do you think of this, Claves? Do you think the officials are calling more penalties too because there's less fans in the stands? Yeah. Yeah, I think I that do has too. an impact. Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's face it. We just talked about how fans have an impact on the game. And we were just talking about players. Hey, I think it has a huge impact on the officials. Yeah. And uh, when they blow a call or whatever, you know, they hear about it. Mm -hmm. So if it's, you know, if it's just a regular game, nobody's there. And the only people they hear from are the coaches and the players. It's business as usual. And I do agree. I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing more penalties call. And I think that's why we don't see as many makeup calls. Yeah. You know, you you make a guy, if a guy gets a bad penalty in his own building, everybody in the building knows, especially if it's late, or if there's been a consecutive amount of penalties toward yeah. one team, you know that somebody's going to make it up at some point. Right. I don't think that happens right now. Hey, it's a penalty. If you guys have four in a row, guess what? You're about to have five. Yeah. Blues have had three games this season where they've had 12 penalties on their side and six on the other. So it, it doesn't even itself out like it used to. On the yeah. flip side of the special teams, Claves, the power play, we talked a little bit about it. Just stop trying to make that fancy play and start shooting the puck. I am so glad that the Blues put Justin Falk and Mike Hoffman back on that number one unit because right now, you can't use the excuse of, well, we're trying to use the chemistry of guys that we had last season. There's no chemistry anymore. As yeah, soon as Petrangelo yeah. left, the chemistry was gone. Perron talked about how not having that righty at the point. The face off. Yeah, 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 I heard him it, talk about that. Yeah, it's It changes things because it was Torrey Krug for so long. So I'm glad that they've gone with some of the best power play guys in the past and put them together on a unit in that previous game. And hopefully they'll continue to do it moving forward. Well, I, I think that the, the Falk um, – the uh, Mike's um, – what's his name? You know what I'm talking about. The guy we just picked up. Yeah. Um, Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. I was going to call him Sullivan for some reason. But anyway, <laughs> it, it should be ideal for him with the one-timer where he's getting it from cross ice mm -hmm. and, and, and he's going to have that one-time shot. And we talked about what a good shot he has that I think he could really flourish with this. The key for Hoffman is not being stationary. He's got to find his little zone, his little area where he can cruise and be ready to shoot. 
but you know, when I keep hearing guys talk about where it used to be and this guy was doing, you know, that's that I, that's not an excuse. That's how this business works. You adjust. The reason why these guys are such good players is they learn how to adjust better. So the well, power play is going to look different. And I got news for you. There's going to be a run where they're going to have to maybe break up the power play. If it's if it has success, teams will counter that, and that's where your coach comes in and says, all right, we're going to juggle this up a little bit, give them a different look. You guys stay ready because we're going to find a way to get you guys back together. I mean, it, it happens during the course of a hockey season. So in this case, um, they just need a few more games and just confidence in just shooting the puck. Find the open man. If there's nobody home, then take the shot because a goal you don't score is a shot you don't take. And yep. I think that's how you, you have to go back to basics with this and, and not worry about um, – I, I don't want to say responsibility because you do have responsibilities on the power play, especially, believe it or not, defensively. You know, the way the Blues are running this diamond on the power play where you got the one guy in the middle, you better have that weak side forward ready to come back. Yeah. Because one bounce of the puck in the other direction, guess what? you got a breakaway. Yep. So you got to be careful. And everybody needs to know where they need to be on the, in those situations. But when you get it going, man, it's fun to watch. Would you rather have a better power play or a better penalty kill right now for this Blues team? <sighs> That's a great question. Considering how many bad penalties the Blues are killing, uh, uh, taken. I, I think I'd rather have a better PK yeah, if you. I can score on it. See, here's here's another thing. You look at the good teams the Blues have had, mm-hmm. and, and I'll go back even to the '80s, where when the Blues had Larry Payton killing penalties, and I think he had eight shorthanded goals that year. Yeah, you know, you've got to be a you've got to still be a threat. Just because you're down a man doesn't mean you 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 play safe for two minutes. That's a good point. You have. To, you have to have the ability to force the issue. And if a guy makes a soft pass or there's a deflection off a shin pad or mm-hmm. maybe your goalie is able to get a good, good clearing pass or maybe your back-end defenseman finds a good clearing pass off the boards, if you can do those things, you have to have guys who have the skill set and the ability to score uh, on a break. And, you know, that's where you want your good skaters, the guys who deny shots in the passing lanes and the passes. You got to have that guy instead of him just standing out there, just trying to make sure nobody scores. I still think you you have to be offensive minded when you're killing penalties. So the Blues got two games this weekend against Arizona. They got one next Monday or this coming Monday against Arizona. That'll be seven of the eight games that they're they going to open up the season next year with Arizona. <laughs> the first round's already done for the playoffs, yeah. so you don't have to worry about that. Cardinals um, are going to play Arizona this year. They're going to play the Coyotes this year. Or, uh, Arizona mean, is on everyone's Arizona, mind. Arizona, I think St. Louis U's got them the week after next. <laughs> And then, it's no, you know, it's they're playing everybody. It's no coincidence, Claves, that the Blues started playing the Arizona Coyotes on Groundhog's Day, and since then it's felt and, and like Groundhog playing, Day. And you know what? They still haven't seen their shadow. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that ought to tell you something right there. Uh, so, but with that being said, the Blues have had to reschedule a lot of games. Not so much, uh, you know, if you look at the other teams, they're still trying to figure out how to reschedule these games. Minnesota Wild still in COVID protocol. Colorado's still dealing with this. Claves, I I really feel that we are getting close to the point where the NHL is going to have to say, we need to take a week off, we need to reset what everyone's going through right now, and then pick back up with different protocols. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, I think you you look at the calendar two weeks from now, and that's when you set your day. Mm -hmm. You, You take a week. 
and, and maybe you you ramp up the protocol between now and then and then say, boys, we're going to play by these rules from this point on. Right. Unless you all want to go back to the bubble. Yep. Where we where there's there's golf and other out, outdoor recreation available. <laughs> We've been to here you. before. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you, if guys are hel- had hel- held that over their head about going back to the bubble and being promised all the things they didn't get the first time, you'll see guys lock themselves in closets <laughs> to make sure they don't contract COVID. Ain't that the truth? Especially with that stressful bubble that we all went through. Um, so, a couple of NHL notes I wanted to touch on with you, Clay's, before we wrap up. I know you and I have talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Tortorella situation with the line A and Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, but now we've seen a couple of other elements come to play. We found out that line A was benched in a game a couple of days ago. First, people thought it was because he wasn't competing on a play. Then it comes out that line A apparently mouthed off to one of the assistant coaches, and then Miko Koivu announces his retirement from the NHL from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Right now, when it rains, it pours for John Tortorella, Claves. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, the Koivu thing was really surprising uh, because he and Yarmo are countrymen, and I'm yep. sure they've had some conversations. Um, and, and, you know, Tortorella is a guy there, – there's no real middle ground with him. Either you like him or you don't. Mm-hmm. And his his tactics probably need to be adjusted, not eliminated, because this is a different hockey player now. And, and the biggest difference in today's player – and maybe it's not today's player, but it's more prevalent. They can get you fired. Mm-hmm. They can get you fired, yep. and, and and they can get themselves traded. And they don't care where they get traded to because they're still going to get paid. And and, that, and that's the difference between, let's say, the NFL where they just cut you, yeah, or Major League Baseball where they can send you to the minors. Uh, there's a lot of ways of retaliation, but in hockey, and, and I think Tortorella's reputation probably doesn't help. When, when these young players hear about what, what kind of person he is as far as a coach, he's demanding. Uh, they've already got this preconceived notion that they're going to butt heads. Yeah. Now, in fairness to Tortorella, if I got a guy chirping at one of my assistants and not showing respect, then we got a problem. I agree. And, and, and that's where I'm not necessarily – all anti Tortorella here because we have to have some law and order and some respect uh, on the bench and behind the bench. And if he's not going to show it, then, you know, you're not going to play. So it's a tough situation to deal with. But the Koivu thing, I think Koivu just said, you know what? I've seen enough. I'm good. Especially this Uh, season. Yeah. And, 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 you know, after a while, when when the young players come to you and you don't have an answer, or when you go to the coach and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this, and maybe he's dug in on his approach, and you th- start to think about, do I really need this at this point in my life? And with the money these players have had a chance to make, many of them will never turn and look back. They'll move on and live a simple life. But but the, the concern is there's some really good young players in Columbus. They're either going to turn out to be really good responsible players mm-hmm. or if they pack it in man they, they'll have that label for the rest of their careers and Tortorella will you know obviously be out of a job but it, it, at some point this is where Yarmo Tortorella have to have a sit down and maybe through the in the captain should have a sit down and just yep. figure out just what the hell do we have going on here because you can't keep having this it's the it's the major story of the league and everybody's watching what the next move is going to be. 
Yeah, well, and especially with Yarmo, I mean, you've already lost one of your top draft picks, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and those things don't come around every day where you get a top three selection mm -hmm. in the NHL draft. You don't want it to come around every You don't no. want to be a top three draft team every year. <laughs> or but you'd be this the rate, you might, Oilers. Yeah, at, at this rate, you might be back in it if, if you keep this up, but but you're absolutely right. You don't have that many opportunities right. to get a good player and then to have this happen. Uh, when maybe it could have been resolved it is really an issue. And I guess the reason why I say that, I don't know enough about Dubois' track record when he was in junior. What kind of player was he? Was he coachable? Was he uh, was he demanding? Was he a hard worker? Was was he subject? Could he handle criticism? You know, you, you think about when you're playing junior and you're the best player on the team, coach probably doesn't have much to say to you. Yeah. Negative. You get to the National Hockey League, everybody was a top player on, on their team. Right. And, and coaches have a little bit more leeway in saying things that you probably haven't heard of before, at least not directed at you. Yeah. So I don't know enough about Dubois' past to say whether Tortorella was right or wrong, but it, on the surface, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. You just or, well, let me take that back. It, it wasn't the right thing to do if he's exhausted every other method of getting his attention. I yeah, guess that's a better way to put it. It hasn't worked out in the past, and you mm -hmm. have to do something else. Yeah, it just gives you a definite respect of what Craig Berube has done with this team and what Doug Armstrong has done with this team because it is not an easy task to manage yeah. a National Hockey League roster, but Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube have found a way uh, to do that with all of these uh, minds in that room. And, and, you know, here's the one thing I respect about Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong. While they have subtly called out people and challenged them to be better, they haven't turned this into a personal vendetta. Right. There hasn't been a, a direct call out. There hasn't been a, a significant benching. Um, they've been able to keep everything within the dressing room, which I think is important. Um, you know, now Baruby has questioned how certain people's effort needs to be better and they need to be better at certain things about their game. Right. But he hasn't pinned it on a person because he hasn't played well. You know, he right. just wants them all to play hard. And I think that's a reflection of how Doug Armstrong deals with people as well. And I, I think it, when you step back and look at this, this isn't a house on fire like you see in Columbus and some other mm -hmm. cities where they're having that problem. Yeah, no question. Well, we'll see what the Blues have to offer against this Coyotes team this weekend. Again, three more games against Arizona. They'll only so, have one left this season. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Who do they play after Arizona? I mean – Who's the fourth team that the Blues play? Because I, I, I'm so Arizona, I, I don't even know what the schedule looks like anymore. Is it Vegas? So I think it's – no, I actually think it's San Jose, if I'm not mistaken. I want to pull up the schedule so I can get this correct. I believe it's one of the California teams that they play against. Is it Anaheim? So it's San Jose for two games. They'll come back to St. Louis. Then they'll play L.A. at home. Then they'll play San Jose. Then they'll play Anaheim, L.A., San Jose. You don't play a team other than Anaheim, L.A., or San Jose until you play Vegas the second week of February. Jeez, second week of March. Yeah, I'm sorry, second week of March. So those those payroll taxes, those earning taxes in California are going to be pretty hefty this year. You would imagine. Yeah, I mean, because you get taxed everywhere you play in uh -huh. that state. So they got a lot of stacking to do out there. And, you know, now here's a question, though. With, with so many games out there, do you have a central location that you travel to and from, or do you just have those three designated hotels? 
if I'm not mistaken, they have three designated hotels that are their hotels in that city when they come there. Yeah, I mean, because and I'll give you a good example. Like when, when major concert tours take place, let's say mm-hmm. if it's the Rolling Stones or the Eagles or somebody, they'll base in Chicago, right? Right. And they'll fly into St. Louis or Kansas City or wherever and do their show and then leave. But they always sleep in the same bed every night. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, with COVID in play, you have to wonder the less contact you have with people from the outside, the better chances you have of surviving. But if you have a designated place where they know what you want and how you want it, that might be something better served. The only problem I would imagine is the travel. But, you know, we're talking about small, small travel time on a plane or a bus. Yeah, especially when you're in California because you're Anaheim, San Jose. And frankly, that's what they have. I do know that when they go on the road, it's the same hotel that they go to. They stay there for the series and then they move on to the next city. So, for example, they left for Arizona on Thursday. They'll play the Coyotes Friday, stay in the same hotel until they wrap up that series on Monday, on Monday and then they fly back home for the game against the uh, the Sharks in St. Louis. So, at least for now, it seems like those hotels. But, again, that's why I brought up the potential of pausing the season for the NHL because they might have to come up with different protocols to try and keep this thing a little bit tighter because yeah. – there's been only six teams that are U.S. teams, Claves, that have not had a player on the COVID list this season. How are our friends north of the border? They're, they're hanging in there pretty well. They haven't shut down anything, have they? They haven't shut down anything. If I'm not mistaken, they've had a couple of players that tested positive, but the contact tracing didn't interrupt the schedule at all. It's well, just been the U.S. teams. Another lesson we can learn from our friends to the north. <laughs> take more advice from the Canadians. That's what nope. Jamie Rivers tells me all the time. Well, he's he's right. He's right on this one. <laughs> Claves, it's been fun chatting with you, buddy. I'm sure we're gonna have plenty of storylines next week after yep. three after more we, games against Arizona. Yeah, we'll 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 know the Arizona players and their families by then. So you're absolutely right. I'll have the personal bios of the best five <laughs> players on Arizona for you next week when we talk. How's that? I, I, I would say I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not. But we're not. I'm not either. He's Mike Claiborne. I'm Alex Ferrario. Thank you so much for joining us on the Ferrario Faceoff. Again, Blues and Coyotes all weekend. We'll be back with you next week to talk more Blues hockey right here at Claves Online.